Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. ...by Richard. We'll give the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. With five seconds, he's going to throw it. Howard leaps. He has it. Touchdown. Carolina back from the dead to tie the game with two seconds to go. There is a flag down. But holy smokes. Two and four in overtime games. Carolina one and three here from under center. Give off to Greg Little. Little pulls away. Little is going to score. Carolina wins. Snap back, spot down. The kick is cleanly away. It is good. And it's Parker with a 54-yard field goal. And how about them Tar Heels? They do it. Possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Putterburn. In his end zone. The punt, very high. Switzer will have room to return it. He feels it at the 40. Coming near side, Switzer at the 50. Switzer, 45, cuts back at the 40. 35, breaks the tackle at the 30. Still on his feet. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Ryan Switzer for six. He is doing his best Giovanni Bernard impression. Ryan Switzer again. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. What's going on, guys? It's the Heel Tough Blog Podcast here. Anthony Pagnata with you guys. As always, Josh Marlowe having some technical difficulties at the moment, but he will be along with us here shortly uh, once we get those ironed out. Uh, as we welcome you into this edition of the podcast, uh, the Toriels getting ready for their biggest game of the 2023 season so far as they get ready to take on the Miami Hurricanes in Chapel Hill as uh, Toriels look to get to 6-0 and uh, for the first time, of course, since that 1997 season. And boy, uh, it is a, a much different story uh, than the last few years, it feels like, for Carolina. But this is going to be their real chance to prove that to us on Saturday night uh, against the Miami Hurricanes. They will possibly have to do it, though, without one of their best players, uh, or, or one of the t- players that has gotten off to uh, one of the best starts on the team, I should say, in Kobe Pesor, the wide receiver. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Of course, preview everything uh, that's going on uh, for this game against Miami. What's going on here? Uh, 
Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Joe's Anthony Pagnata with you guys as always. And today it is time to get you ready for the Tar Heels game against the Miami Hurricanes in Keenan Stadium on Saturday night. A 7.30 kickoff. Game day will not be there. Game day will be at the 3.30 matchup between Washington and Oregon, a top 10 matchup. But I was right. Biggest, one of the biggest games of the entire day. And one of the biggest games of the Toriel's entire season lies ahead on Saturday night against the team that they've had some pretty decent success against. We'll tell you all about that coming up in this edition of the podcast. Dive deep into what Carolina has to do to come away 6-0 and at the midway point of their season. Uh, it's been a long, long time since uh, the Toriel fans have been able to see a 5-0 and team play. It's only the fourth time ever that Toriel fans will get to see a 5-0 and team play at home. Uh, so it, it, there is a lot on the line for the Toriels against the Hurricanes on Saturday night, and we'll talk to you all about that. But we have to start by talking about what is, as of this moment, a rumored injury. Now, the thing is, the reason why we have to talk about this is because this would be a huge injury if this is actually, you know, if this actually is true reporting that's been done by some behind the scenes. Now, again, all this stuff is still rumored. There's been nothing that has been confirmed. And I would honestly, if I had to guess when this news is going to come out, it, it, it's probably going to be like what we've seen so far this season, uh, which is that it would come out moments before game time tomorrow night. Uh, Kobe Pesor, the Tar Heels starting wide receiver to begin the year. Um, he's also started a little bit here after Nate McCollum came back from injury uh, on the outside. Um, he is, at, a lot of people have, have said behind the scenes that they believe that he uh, could be lost for the season due to some sort of lower body injury. Um, the belief is that it is either his ankle or his foot, one or the other. As of right now, uh, it's kind of been reported by, you know, those sources that, uh, you know, that it, some have said ankle, a good majority have said uh, ankle, another majority have said foot. So we're waiting on this one, but it does not seem like, based off of these rumors, that there is any sort of good news lying on the horizon for uh, the Tar Heels sophomore wide receiver who is coming off of uh, a pretty good performance, a highlight reel catch against Syracuse, three catches, 100 yards, including the 77-yarder that he tapped in the air to himself. Uh, so, yeah, this is uh, this is a concerning one. Uh, I know that this wide receiving core is loaded with a lot of guys, but uh, you hate to hear this, especially for a guy that uh, was starting to sort of make some strides in the work that he was doing on the outside to try to make his effect felt there uh, over the last couple of weeks. And yeah, no, this is, uh, I mean, if this is rumored to be true, it's a pretty significant loss, uh, but not one that Carolina can't overcome because that room is so, de it is so talented. And it is, it is so deep, but he, you know, there's, you know, some things that he can do that other guys can't do for you. Um, it makes it makes it all the more important that you got Tez Walker back and in a Carolina uniform, um, because you know you can replace his lost explosiveness with with what Tez can do when he gets the football in his hands. But this is a dude that it felt like you know had had built some confidence up, 
Um, Drake May trusted him a lot. The the catch he made last week against Syracuse was um, ridiculous. Um, it was the number one play on Sports Center. So he he you know he's a highlight reel uh, type of player. And so, uh, but you know, the, the whole mantra this year has been talking about going from good to great. Great teams overcome these types of injuries. You look at you look at teams that compete for conference championships and playoff spots. They have injuries that they got to overcome because that's what that's what this game does. It's a game of attrition, and so this this will just be another test for Carolina. Um, and they've passed a couple tests already the, the, this year. You know, getting over a you know getting the first four and zero start since '97. Now it's five and zero, um, and so this team is, is is destined to be great. We're gonna find out because they're gonna, they're gonna have to potentially overcome the loss of one of their best playmakers on offense. Well, it's like you said, if they did not have Tez Walker back, if Nate McCollum was still hurt, something like that, this would be a much different story. Um, But the fact that you got both of those guys back, Tez Walker, I think, looked pretty good the other day. We'll talk about him a little bit more later on in this edition of the podcast. I, I think that's the reason that you probably feel confident is that you've got those two guys. You've got J.J. Jones, who's there. Um, so that trio alone, I, th- I think, has you feeling pretty good about this pass catching group. Not to mention, then you have the tight ends, John Copenhaver, uh, who you know hasn't had the season I think that some of us thought he possibly could because of you know the hand injury that he suffered early in the year. You've got Bryson Nesbitt, who has kind of been up and down throughout the year based really solely on the amount of targets that he's had in games. Well, you would expect that there's a chance his targets could go up if Carolina needs them to, if this is an injury that they feel affects them that much. And you also have Kamari Morales, not to mention the guys you have out of the backfield as well. So Carolina has got so many options. It's it look, it sucks for Kobe Pesor because He's a guy that I think was still finding a way to make an impact, even though you had guys ahead of him on the depth chart, which was what we were hoping to see from him. Uh, It really sucks that this had to happen after five games and not four games if he was going to get hurt, but it is what it is. And again, all this stuff is rumored. Now, the thing is, is since there are multiple sources reporting it, it probably feels like there at least is something serious here. If it's going to cost them the whole year, we don't know that one for sure, but it seems like the Tar Heels will be without him for an extended period of time. And I think the bigger concern is is probably, you know, what happens if there is another injury at that spot, especially in the slot. That's where you got to get someone like Doc Chapman, who we've seen take, you know, some jet sweep snaps. You may need to get him a little bit more run here, especially, you know, once you navigate this week and you get to move on to that stretch where you do play uh, you know, Virginia, I know you got to go on the road at Georgia Tech, but then you play Campbell again. You're hoping maybe those Virginia and Campbell games could be areas where you allow Doc Chapman to get on the field a little bit more if Pesor is not available for those games. We'll keep you up to date on that uh, storyline on the website, HeelToughBlog.com, if we get any news on that. But in the meantime, you talked about tests that the Tar Heels have overcome already this year. Well, they've got another big one on Saturday night when they take on the Miami Hurricanes in Keenan Stadium. Now, the thing is, is Miami's a team that Carolina has had a lot of success against. The Tar Heels are 4-8 and eight against, uh, or 4-0 and oh against the Hurricanes since Mac Brown's return. 
and they've won six out of the last eight. Uh, so both, you know, Larry Fedora as well as Mac Brown now have had pretty good success. So Carolina as a whole, they, they found a way to really, you know, get up for the games against Miami, regardless of how good the Hurricanes have been, regardless of how good they have been. The Tar Heels will be looking for their first win in a top 25 matchup since October 24th of 2020, a game that they won against the NC State Wolfpack, who were ranked 23rd at the time. And the Tar Heels are 4-8 and eight against ranked opponents since Mack Brown returned 3-3 three and three when both teams are ranked. So a little bit better when they are ranked as well as the opponent, but still, Carolina has not had the greatest success against ranked opponents. That's something, when you talk about those obstacles that Carolina has overcome, they're going to have to do it again. People have also thrown in the fact that Carolina is bringing out the retro uniforms. They're just two and four in those uh, under Mac Brown, including uh, 0-2 a year ago. So, uh, again, that's another minor obstacle that they have to get over, along with the major obstacle against those ranked opponents. Here's what you need to know about the Miami Hurricanes, 4-1 and on the season they are 0-1 in conference after suffering just a, a, one of the most confusing losses you will ever see um, in, in the history of the sport of football against Georgia Tech. They had a chance to knee the game out uh, and take it to the locker room, would have had a win against Georgia Tech, uh, but they end up uh, instead choosing to run the football. Their running back uh, was appeared to be down on the play, but it doesn't matter. He ends, uh, uh, he ends up fumbling. It's a fumble on the field. Uh, they ended up reviewing it, still calling it a fumble, and my uh, uh, Georgia Tech took over. They throw a deep shot down the field and end up winning the game in Miami uh, to take a huge conference victory for the Yellow Jackets and hand Miami just a soul-crushing loss. Uh, offensively, still a really, really good football team, even though they weren't great against Georgia Tech. Uh, 39 points per game, 505.8 yards of total offense, 294.8 yards through the air, 211 on the ground uh, coming into this matchup. Tyler Van Dyke enters off his worst game of the season after uh, you know a great start to the year. First four games, 11 touchdowns, just one interception last week against Georgia Tech. One touchdown, three interceptions. Now, the thing about it is, is that if you look at his stats, you know, a lot of it is because they have been blowing teams out, but he has only thrown for over 300 yards in one game so far this year. So he hasn't been a guy that's taken over games. He hasn't had to in large part because of the running game. Henry Parrish Jr. is the leader in that backfield. Uh, he's having a tremendous year so far this year, and that's with him not taking the bulk of the snaps there, uh, you know, throughout the year because of them rotating a lot of different guys back there. They've rotated three other running backs in that backfield uh, so far. A lot of that, again, has to do with the blowouts, but you never know who Carolina could see. Mark Fletcher Jr., the true freshman, has been really good. Uh, A.J. Allen, who's a uh, redshirt freshman transfer uh, also has been productive in the backfield, and even Donald Chaney Jr. Uh, has had a really strong year as well. So Carolina's got to be prepared for all four of those backs, but Parrish is the guy that will carry the load for them. Xavier Restrepo, uh, Jacoby George, and Colby Young 
uh, are three very capable targets on the outside for Van Dyke. All guys that uh, form, you know, a really, really good wide receiving core, probably one of the best right up there uh, with Carolinas in the ACC. Offensive line, uh, it's the best it's been in years, led by Matt Lee uh, and Inez Cooper on the inside. Uh, their tackles, probably the area that you, you can attack the most with this group, but still not anywhere near the group that we've seen in years past that have just allow, allowed a ton of sacks, a ton of pressures on the quarterback. They are much, much improved, similar to what Carolina's offensive line looks like on the other side. Defensively, 14.6 points per game, 268.4 yards of total offense allowed, 210.2 through the air, just 58.2 rushing yards per game allowed. Defensive line uh, is really the strength of this group, led by Leonard Taylor, uh, as well as Reuben Bain Jr. Uh, both of those guys are having tremendous seasons, guys that look like they will potentially be NFL players down the line and high-end ones at that. The secondary, very good season as well for those guys, led by James Williams and Cameron uh, Kinchins at safety, as well as the uh, very opportunistic corner to Corey uh, Couch. One thing about him, a guy that has three uh, interceptions already so far this year, but has also given up the most receiving yards by a large margin on the team. So a guy that's kind of hit or miss, that's something that Carolina will probably look to attack. And the linebackers might be the weakest part of this defense, but they're still improved from last season, land, uh, led by Francisco uh, Miyagoa, uh, who is having a tremendous year leading the team in total tackle. So when you look at this Miami team, you know, this is, this is a team that I think, you know, coming into the year, not a lot of people were talking about them. Uh, really, only Josh Graham was. He thought that uh, one of our friends that uh, hosts a radio show up in Winston-Salem actually picked them to win uh, or, or to make it to the ACC championship game against Florida State. Um, you know, it looked like early in the year they were playing with a little bit of that weight off their shoulders. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how they respond to that loss that they suffered against Georgia Tech uh, the other night in their house. Yeah, I mean, it's either going to be something that's going to fuel them and motivate them or it's going to do them in. Um, and we're going to find out, you know, what this Miami team is made of. I, but before the other night, they had the look of a team that I think we all thought we were going to see last year. Mario Cristobal got there. It was just a disaster of a year. Uh, but one that I think was kind of not necessarily on purpose or intentional, but was part of what, what happens when you see proud programs rebuild. Um, where you kind of tear it all down and, and you try to build back up from the very beginning. Um, and before the other night, that's what it looked like he was doing because, you know, they were undefeated. They were ranked inside the top, you know, 17, 18 in the country and was on pace to set up, you know, a a showdown this, this weekend. And look, this game is still very important. Um, it's still a top 25 matchup. It's got a prime time uh, start time. Um, it's going to play a role in who's that second team to make it to 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 make it to the ACC title game, because I think we can all just assume Florida State's going to make it out on their end. Um, and this this is going to be a big test for Carolina. I kind of look at the way they lost a week ago, and even though it wasn't in a, a season opener, remember when Carolina lost in fifteen to South Carolina with some bad coaching. 
where you had the ball at the one-yard line, and instead of giving it to a running back who would go on to run for 1,600 yards that year, you threw an interception. Well, the Tar Heels were able to bounce back, and they rattled off 11 straight wins. Miami's coaches and players, they've all said the right things publicly. We're going to find out tomorrow if this team uh, has put their coaching blunder behind them or this is going to be something that's going to hang over them for the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I, I mean, look, it can work one of two ways, honestly. It could work the way that you're talking about where uh, Miami players say, look, let's, la- let's rally around this and, and really uh, find a way to allow this to sort of push us towards – a run to that ACC title, or it could be one of those circumstances where uh, this is something that ends up losing the trust of that locker room because you've got a coach that doesn't understand what the victory formation means. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting. I think that's certainly going to play a factor, but the thing is that's not something that Carolina can control in this game. They just have to prepare for a team that, you know, I think, when you look at them as opposed to the group that we saw a year ago, it does feel like this group is better. I know Van Dyke, you know, had, had a rough game the other day, and I do wonder for him, he is that type of player that we saw it last year. Once he had one bad game, the wheels sort of fell off for him. Could that be what happens again this year? Who knows? But I do think, you know, what you saw in those first four games of the year, he did prove himself to be a much better quarterback. And look, they weren't against great opponents. It did. He did have the game against Texas A&M, though. So that's something that I think is definitely worth looking at. And I think really the biggest difference from Miami a year ago, I think they're a much better running team than a year ago. You look at the way that they're they're running the football. I mean, over 200 yards a game. And I know Carolina had a really good game defensively, stopping Syracuse on the ground a week ago. But the thing is, is that you're you're just hoping for that same type of performance again from the interior of a defensive line that has not been that consistent. Let's take a look at some of the other Tar Heel storylines heading into this game. Uh, I think number one, the biggest one is Drake May and and what he's starting to do right now. Uh, He is really starting to look the part. Uh, People were concerned early in the year with the turnovers is Drake May, you know, really going to have a sophomore slump or something like that? Uh, that is not happening. You look at his numbers after uh, the game that they played on Saturday against Syracuse, which was arguably the best of his career, right up there with that game against Wake Forest a year ago. And he's now, average, you know, putting up better numbers than he did a year ago. It seems like you're seeing some things, you know, when you look at people that are evaluating his tape. They're telling you you're seeing things from him that you did not see a year ago. Uh, and it, it's showing that Chip Lindsey has really had a big effect on him so far this year. I think this is another one of those games that is if he's going to build a Heisman campaign, this is one of those games that he has to win and he has to look good doing it. And I think Carolina really needs a good performance from him in this one, if they're going to pull out the victory over the Hurricanes, yeah, no, it starts now. You look, you look around the, the country tomorrow in the marquee games. The teams that are going to win are going to be because of their quarterbacks. You know, Caleb Williams is on the road at South Bend um, with, with with a chance to to make a statement. You got maybe the game of the year in Seattle with Oregon and Washington. 
Um, and we all know how great Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. Uh, are and have been so far this year. And so um, tomorrow is going to be Drake's. You know, it's not his first real test of going up against another quarterback because Spencer Rattler is individually having a great year. His team's just not very good around him. But this is him in a big spot at home um, and, 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 and a chance where the whole entire country will, will be watching you. And so, you know, I said this after we, re, we recapped the game the other night. For him to put himself in the discussion, he has to have a big, a, a big October. And he started it off with a big performance against Syracuse. I don't think it's fair to ask for the same amount of yardage, per se, because you're going against a better defense tomorrow night. But if he's the best player on the field and accounts for three to four touchdowns and Carolina gets a big win, then the buzz will start to pick up. And so um, I think this is a guy that – this is why he came back to Carolina. You know, he – he could have left and went to a different program to play in these types of games, but he wanted to do play those type of games here because he believes that they can win these types of games here. And so uh, I think, you know, he's going to be fired up to put on a show. Um, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if he puts together another dominant performance on Saturday night. Yeah, I, th- I think he, he is really settled into a groove here. I really think that, you know, those early season turnover issues, I, I think, I think they're behind him. Um, you know, I think we, we saw it at the end of last year. I think this year, some of that may have had to do with him still learning the system. I think also part of it was just some bad luck with some of the hits that he took on some of those interceptions. I, I, I really do think that now you're seeing what we thought we were going to see from Drake May this year. You're seeing the areas where he has improved, and you're seeing a player that uh, it's just, I mean, some of the throws that he's made these last couple of weeks, I, I mean, not many other guys in football a, at any level can make some of these throws that he's dropping in there. So I really do think that, look, I think you're right. Asking for nearly 500 yards of total offense is probably too much to ask for. Um, three or four touchdowns. I mean, I, I think three is certainly a table. Of course, it depends on what else, you know, Carolina is able to do, especially on the ground in this game. But I think the big thing for Carolina that they need from Drake May is just that steadying presence that he's been in some of these bigger games that Carolina has played so far. I mean, what he did last year in their game against Duke, what he did against Wake Forest last year, what he did early in the season in the game against South Carolina. You just need a guy that is going to come out there and give you a a legitimate chance to win. And I think Carolina, you know, just about every time he steps on the field, he's been able to do that. You need him uh, to do it once again on Saturday night. Now, big news, you know, we talked about it at the start that Kobe Pesor is going to be out. One of the other big storylines coming into this game is Tez Walker in his second game with Carolina. Last week, you know, he comes in, makes a pretty nice impact, uh, you know, six catches, 43 yards, but that was on just uh, two days of preparation. So now he's had a full week to prepare. He's back with the first team offense, not spending his time with the scout team. So now the question becomes, what does he look like in his first game back? Uh, first game of his first real game back in terms of getting a full week of preparation and now being able to come in as a starter and, and you know, could have the the added pressure of, of 
having to step up because he knows that Kobe Pesor is not there. I feel like there's a chance that it could be a big week for Tez Walker. I think you're going to need to kind of see from the football perspective why Carolina fought so hard to get him on the field. Um, because from a from just a pure football perspective, he changes this offense more than any other receiver on the roster um, and, and can do a lot of different things taking the top off the defense. Because I think if Carolina is going to win the game and Drake May is going to put up a big performance, they're going to have to hit some 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 deep shots. Not to say that other guys can't make deep you know plays in the passing game. Nate McCollum certainly has. J.J. Jones has as well. You know, Tez Walker is still your best deep threat on, on the roster and a guy that can really open things up for you. And so, um, you know, I don't think you should be surprised that he took him, you know, a week to become a starter. Um, you know, with the, with the pace or injury, I think you'll see a game plan that is going to be uh, built around him to get him the ball and let him, you know, use his physical and God-given abilities uh, to, to make plays after the catch. And so, um, you know, his, his return you know, on the surface was just an a, a important emotional lift. But on the flip side, it couldn't have been a better timing considering the injury news that's come to that wide receiver room. Yeah, and I mean, look, I thought last week pretty pretty good first game, especially for how short of a time he had to sort of get back into, uh, you know, the rhythm with Drake and everything like that. I mean, look, Fridays on, are going to be walkthroughs anyways. And, uh, you, you know, for Carolina, I, I think now having a full week of having those guys back together, there's a reason why Tez Walker, when you watched – that game, that, that spring game, you thought to yourself, this is going to be Carolina's leading receiver. This is the guy that gives them the best chance to have a thousand yard receiver again this year. Now, with them missing as many games as he did to start the year, uh, he probably won't be. That would be an unbelievable accomplishment if he was able to do that. Nate McCollum's probably that guy. But I really do think this could be his chance to. Uh, really break out. I think people were wanting it so badly to be last weekend in his first game, but wouldn't it be awesome in a game against a ranked opponent at home in what should be an unbelievable environment uh, if Carolina is able to you know, see him break out and, as you said, show exactly why they were so aggressive in going to get him out of the transfer portal. Well, now we move to the other side of the ball, and look, the defense at this point – if you are not convinced that this defense is different from last year, then there's going to be no convincing you. This defense so far this year is off to the best start that we've seen probably since a Butch Davis defense, uh, just in terms of the points per game allowed. And really, I mean, that, that performance last week against Syracuse is the best uh, performance against a Power 5 opponent uh, that I can remember in a very, very long time. Well, now this is really another chance for this defense to show just how good they are to a national audience. You know, they did it in the first game of the year against South Carolina, but people would say, well, that offensive line wasn't great. They didn't have a great running game. Uh, they've done it really, you know, in every game since. And look, Syracuse was, was a pretty big stage last week against an offense that had been pretty good before they got into ACC play. This one, this one's different. This is an offense that's averaging over 500 yards per game. Uh, last week was not their best performance, but still, uh, it, it's an offense that has been able to move the ball consistently throughout the year. So I think if Carolina 
you know, if, if this defense wants to prove that they can not only be average like we asked them before the season, but even be a group that can help continue to win Carolina games, this is a chance for them to prove that against a really good Miami team on the offensive side. Yeah, this is going to be their biggest test so far. This is this is, this is the most complete offense uh, that maybe they'll play all all regular season wise. Um, and so there's no denying that Carolina's defense is is different from a year ago that it's better. But I think we're going to find out just how just how good it really is. Um, and, and look, if, if they get if they go out there and we get caught in a shootout, I don't think you should come away feeling bad about that. Like if, because this game has shootout written all over it. Um, and and so I, I I'm excited personally just because. This is as confident I've been going into one of these types of games to feel like I know that I think we can hold up and 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 and, and compete uh, more so than in years past, where like we knew going in that we we got to score forty five at least to, to have a chance to win. So um, I think the thing is, is if you're going off of what what happened last week, you've got a quarterback that for the most part Van Dyke has played really really well. But he, he's a streaky quarterback, and his track record says when he turns it over, he doesn't, he doesn't stop turning it over. He's kind of like Sam Hartman in that manner. And so if Carolina can get good, consistent pressure on him, I think he's going to give you a couple chances to make some plays on some balls that could turn the tide your way. And, look, Carolina's been able to do that so far this year. You know, you've seen guys like Kamen Rucker, Des Evans having career years. Can the interior of that defensive line be able to do what they were able to do a week ago against Syracuse? Um, I, I, you know, I think those are those are valid questions that um, you know I, I think could you know if they do come to fruition, I think Carolina uh, could have a great day against them. Not to mention the defensive backfield, which just continues to play so much better than the group a year ago. Like everybody wants to talk about how much better the defensive line has been this year. Uh, than, than the group from a year ago. Well, it's the same in the defensive backfield. You know, we, we would talk so much about the talent that Carolina had back there a year ago. People were worried about losing that in the offseason and saying, look, we, we've got guys that we feel good about from the transfer portal, but are they uh, do, do they have the raw talent that guys like Tony Grimes and Storm Duck did back there uh, at those cornerback positions? Well, that group has been better this year. Elijah Huzzy continues to prove that uh, Carolina did an unbelievable job of tracking him down in the transfer portal. Uh, Marcus Allen's had a good year as well. Even you know this, the, the guys that have been rotating in off the bench, Armani Chapman and Teon Holloway, have gotten better and better as the year have gone along. And even the safety group, I think, has been really, really good. you got to credit Don Chapman and Geo Biggers, who have taken major steps from a year ago. And so now, with them being where they're at, you're going up against a guy that turned the ball over last year against you. That was really, really the only thing that did him in. Now, he threw for almost 500 yards a year ago. Mm-hmm. You would hope that that's uh, you know, not going to happen this year. That's a tape that you have to be watching this week and saying, hey, where do we make mistakes? How do we avoid replicating this again this weekend? But I, I really do feel you look at the way Carolina has played in pass defense the past three games. Um, they have been one of the really one of the better teams in the country, considering that they have played against three power five opponents. I mean, they have absolutely dominated in pass defense. So I feel pretty confident 
going up against Van Dyke. Again, the one area that I'm wondering about is what they can do stopping that running game for Miami. They have to be able to win up front. The linebackers need to have a good day, and they need help from those safeties. If they can slow down the running game, the good news is Van Dyke's not going to be involved. He's not a running quarterback. Then they're going to have a chance to have some nice success. You go to special teams, and man, this has been an area that has been, I wouldn't say a nightmare for Carolina because they've they've had good place kicking since Noah Burnett took over. He's seven for seven on his field goals uh, since he came in in week three. But outside of that, there hasn't been a lot of positives for this group. The kick, uh, kick coverage has not been good at all. Uh, and then last week, you have the block punt, uh, that that the the punt coverage group allowed. Uh, ben Kieran then scoops it up and finds a way to pick up a first down, which is great. But he takes a massive hit, suffers a lower body injury, and now is questionable for this game. So special teams, look, they've always seemed to be a bit of an issue for Carolina to begin with. Uh, it's been a long, long time since Carolina has had a special teams unit that they can rely on in every single aspect, probably since Larry Fedora left campus. But I think this group has really taken things to another level. And right now you do worry about how big of, you know, a a negative that could be in this game against Miami, especially if Ben Kiernan isn't able to play. Yeah. Um, Look, when you look at, you look at this game from top to bottom you know, uh, we talked about the last two weeks. How many times do you have block punts and you win the game? And Carolina had two block punts and they won the game rather comfortably. We've we've stressed the special teams being better because you, it's 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 going to play a role in this game. You would you would just you would just have to believe. Like, look at these types of games. Um, you know, it's going to come down to whether it's a, it's, it's a, it's a kick, which although now I think we feel a lot more comfortable if we got to settle for three on certain drives, as opposed to always having to go for it, it could be a field position thing. And if your punter can't go, maybe we'll find out how much we've taken, you know, Ben Kiernan for granted over the last couple of years. And so, um, I think this is something that in the last two games when Mac Brown was going back through the game tape and you're talking about blowout wins, that was one area he could still be upset about whenever they met as a team and reviewed the film because they weren't as clean as, and, 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 and crisp in that area. And so um, hopefully it's not an issue uh, on Saturday night because I don't know if you can get a punt block for a third straight game and come out victorious. Well, the thing is, it doesn't matter. It, it does not matter what happens in it, 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 if you can't protect the punter. It doesn't matter who's back there. You could have Ben Kiernan. You could have, I, I, I mean, you could have a Hall of Fame NFL punter back there. It does not matter. You need to be able to protect better. They've had a couple that were close to being blocked before that, and I believe, mm-hmm. I believe it was only they only had one blocked against. Syracuse they didn't have one blocked against Pittsburgh I don't think are you thinking of the kick return is that what happened that's the kid that's what you're thinking of you're thinking of the kick return they allowed that let Pittsburgh stick around late in that game so it hasn't been back-to-back games but still it doesn't matter they've had that as a threat in just about every one of these games so far this year it has not been great at all and then uh, I mean, you, you got the issues that you've had, as I mentioned, with kick coverage. It wasn't just 
the game against Pittsburgh. They also had an issue with it against uh, South, well, not against South Carolina, but outside of that game, I mean, App State had a big return on them. Uh, you had uh, Minnesota who, who had a big return on them as well. So, yeah, Carolina, they, they you have to hope they can somehow avoid, uh, you know, th- these these special teams issues that they've had. Because, yeah, the thing the, and the thing that I think should drive people the most crazy about this is the one area where they had so many special teams issues the last couple of years was the place kicking. Now it seems like they've got that stabilized. I know the game against App State, you had the issues for Ryan Coe, but now they've got Noah Burnett back in there. It feels like he's kicking the ball pretty well. I mean, yeah, he's 7 of 7, and three of them are from 40 yards or deeper. But Outside of that, you, you've got so many concerns, and you're right. If this is a close game, special teams could be what decides it. It's going to put more pressure on the offense to be able to move the ball more consistently and avoid punts, and it's going to put more pressure on the defense if they do have to punt and they don't have great field position for the defense. So a lot could be on the line with that special teams on Saturday night for Carolina. The last storyline, uh, look, Keenan Stadium, guys, is set to be one of – uh, the best environments for a football game in a long time for the Tar Heels. Uh, it's a sold-out game, as you would expect, and Miami's going to be walking in there wanting to pull a major upset. But this is one of those environments that I think can really help the team. And I think, you know, the fan base has done a really good job, especially, you know, since the first game of the season where it looked like, you know, South Carolina was going to overpower them, and for the most part they did. But since then, you know, I've been impressed with what we saw for the App State game, impressed with what we saw uh, at at the Minnesota game, and even last weekend against Syracuse. Carolina fans have to bring it this Saturday night in Keenan Stadium, and I think they will, and it should be an amazing environment uh, in this one against the Hurricanes, which should rival the game that Carolina played back in their home opener in 2019, ironically, against the Canes. Yeah, I mean, this is this is what you the vision was when Mac Brown came back, um, and it's why I thought he was the right hire because I thought he was the guy that could get this program back to the national stage, and uh, he's done that throughout the the four plus years he's been back in Chapel Hill, and so um, excited to see what that environment uh, turns that turns out to be. Um, there's no excuse for it not to be a live, a live kick. It's, it's, it's a late kick. Um, so you have plenty of time to get, uh, to get, uh, juiced up, if you will, before you go inside the stadium. Properly, um, properly, uh, properly lubricated. I yeah. Um, cause I'd prefer you to be properly lubricated entering the stadium as opposed to going, to get your white claws as the game is going on. You're not there yelling and screaming your head off. So um, it's going to be exciting. Um, and I think it's going to be, uh, from from a, from a fan perspective, a reminder of what this program uh, can be and, and the support it, it, it can have when you put a winner on the field. Because I think it is, it's probably going to be as live a crowd um, that we've seen. It, it'll be up there with some of the crowds we saw in 15. The 19 game is the best crowd that I've ever been a part of as a fan. 
Um, and then, you know, when they beat Notre Dame under Butch Davis, that's probably as loud as I've ever heard Keenan Stadium. It has a chance to be that loud uh, all night long on Saturday. All right, well, let's get to our keys to the game. And number one, I think, is stop the run. As I mentioned, this Miami team comes in averaging 211 rushing yards per game. They have four different backs so far this season that have over 20 carries in that backfield. They've been an extremely productive group. Henry Parrish Jr. is going to carry the bulk of the load. And look, Carolina, you know, coming into last week, there was a lot of concern about the run defense. What would it look like, especially against a mobile quarterback? And they were up to the task. Well, they got to be up to it again on Saturday night if they want to take down Miami. And they have to find a way. I think it starts with the interior of that defensive line. But the run defense as a whole really has to show out if they want to beat the Hurricanes. I mean, it's it's where it starts and ends in these types of games. You know, both teams can run the ball. Both teams want to run the ball. Um, and it's going to be if, if, if Carolina, you know, do we get the run defense we've seen against Syracuse and South Carolina? Or do we get the run defense that you got against App State where they kind of were able to line up and run the ball right at you? And so. Um, I think if Carolina can stop the run and make Van Dyke have to throw it 45, 50 times, he's more suspect to turn the football over. Um, and we were, we were very pleased with what we saw a week ago um, up front um, with, 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 with a bunch of different guys like Miles Murphy, Travis Shaw, a good chance for those two, those dudes to, to build off of their performances. Uh, this is a great chance for Cayman Rucker. Um, who's who's had a up and down season, but when he's played well, he's played at a really high level. This is another chance for them to, to really make, make a statement because um, if Carolina can hold Miami to like 125 rush rush yards or less, I think you got to feel pretty good about their chances defensively to hold up against this Miami offense. Yeah, that would be an outstanding number because what that does is then forces Tyler Van Dyke to have to win the game with his arm. I know he had a tremendous year against Carolina last year, I think. As I mentioned earlier, this defensive backfield is much better. They're going to hold up a lot better. More aggressive schemes from Gene Chizik on the outside. And you've got a defensive front that is better at getting to the quarterback this year, especially off the edges. So I think if you can force them to do that, that's going to lead to a lot of success on the defensive side of the ball. The second is win the trenches. You have to be able to do it on both sides of the ball. Miami's defensive front, really good group. As I mentioned, two guys that are just having outstanding seasons, especially especially in pass rushing situations. You have to be able to keep them off of Drake May on that side and also be able to get that push that you were able to get at least early in the game against Syracuse to be able to run the ball. And then on the defensive side, it goes back into what we just talked about, being able to stop the run, being able to get after the quarterback, in order for the Tar Heels to win this one, they have to win on that line of scrimmage. Yeah, and I do just want to go back and uh, make make it known that I was correct. They did have a punt blocked uh, at Pittsburgh, so uh, it has been back to back games, mm-hmm. and they had the the kickoff return. So uh, yeah, take that for data. Uh, back to the trenches. I mean, it's it's what these games are about. Um, and you know, we look at it from the offensive standpoint, you get Lampkin back, you, you, you saw better run production a week ago. I don't think that's by accident. Um, but this is, this is a better defensive front. It, it's as good a, a defensive front 
you've seen it's going to be right up there with the the, the Minnesotas and the and the uh, Pittsburghs of the world. And we saw how how much it, Carolina struggled to run the ball in those games. Um, I think if Drake has to sit back there and throw for 400 yards, he can. I trust him more uh, than than I trust Miami's quarterback. If that's what this game turns into. But you like to see that balance that you had against South Carolina, like you had last week where you were able to wear down the defense and pretty much do whatever you want um, from the first quarter on. And so, um, you know, I think Carolina is is in as good a position um, as they've been this year to wear down a quality opponent uh, up front with their offensive line and then conversely on the defensive line, you know it's there. You've put it on tape. You put it on film. It's really about putting putting your helmet on, putting the shoulder pads on, and going out there and doing the damn thing. Yeah, and for the offensive line, it showed last week getting Willie Lampkin back was absolutely huge. You then go to the third key of the game, and I think it's getting off to a fast start. And look, that's been something that we've pointed to the last few weeks But especially in a game like this, you're at home against a ranked opponent, the toughest team you've played so far this year, and you're going to have an environment that is going to be as lively as any that we have seen in Keenan Stadium, at least in the last four years, maybe even longer than that. You want to keep the crowd in this game because that can be a huge advantage for you, especially if this is a close one. In order for Carolina to do that, they have to get off to a good start. And I think, uh, you know, the, the game plan should be similar to what they did last week. Run the football early, open up that passing game, and defensively find a way to stop that run and get off the field as quick as you possibly can. But regardless of how it happens, they need to start quick to keep the environment around this game as loud as it's going to be when this game kicks off. Yeah, you got to capitalize on the energy that's going to be in the stadium. You did that in this type of setting in 2019. I think it was a big touchdown pass to Deami Brown on the game's opening drive that really set the tone for, for that game. Um, and Carolina's done a very good job this year coming out of the gate and either getting a punt, uh, uh, forcing a punt defensively, or scoring points on, on, offensively. And so they can come out and get a stop and then a score or get a a score and then a stop and really just set the tone from the word go, um, you're going to find out a lot about Miami's resolve because it's going to be important for them coming on the road, trying to put last week behind them. They're going to be trying to do the same thing. Um, And and in these types of games, whatever team settles into the moment, the the fastest and and the best, they typically win the game because they find a, a way to control it. Um, and, and so I'd like to see Carolina, uh, if, if they get the ball, go down and put it in the end zone and, and, and get a stop because if you can do that, it could be a snowball effect to where you just ride that momentum into a game where you, you kind of just control it throughout the entirety of 60 minutes. All right, let's get to our predictions for this game against Miami. What do you see happening on Saturday night uh, against the Hurricanes? I think – if, I think if we go back to the preseason, I think this was a game I had chalked up as a loss for Carolina because I, I was a believer uh, in Miami. I know Mario Cristobal does some things that make you question him, um, but I liked what they had. And then they lost the way they lost last week. And I think they're going to compete. I think they're going to push Carolina. 
but I don't think Van Dyke is as good as uh, Drake May. And believe it or not, Cristobal's game management, it's not as bad as back uh, as, as, as Mac Brown's has been at times during his second stint with Carolina. I think it'll be a fun game. I think it'll be an exciting game. I think it'll showcase our quarterback. It'll showcase uh, the level of football that we can play in the ACC. I think Carolina emerges with a 34-28 win. Yeah, I, I think Carolina, you know, they're they're facing a team that is kind of at a crossroads in their season, so which is interesting. Um, I, I think we're going to learn pretty early what the mindset of Miami is. I think they're going to come out fighting. I think Carolina's got to be prepared, uh, especially for, for a physical team in the trenches. But I think Carolina saw that early in the year. They saw that against Minnesota. They saw that against Pittsburgh. This is an offense that's put up a lot of yards, but it's come against some lesser opponents. I think, you know, defensively, this will easily be the biggest test for Miami's defense so far this year. Uh, and I think Carolina's just in a groove. I think the environment uh, will be a, a big factor in this game because I think uh, the crowd's going to be in it. I think Carolina, even if they don't get off to a super fast start, I don't see Miami really taking the crowd out of it with a fast start of their own. So I think Carolina ends up coming out in that first half. Uh, they keep it, you know, it's it's relatively close at the half. I think Carolina's probably still leading. But I think Carolina, in the end, finds a way to get a two-possession win over Miami. I think they win it 34-24 to 24 over the Hurricanes in Keenan Stadium. Uh, regardless of what happens, though, guys, we'll have you covered on the website, Heel Tough Blog. Dot com. Make sure you head over to the website, check out the preview for this edition uh, of, or, or for this game uh, on uh, Saturday night uh, in Keenan Stadium. Again, that'll be uh, 7 o'clock on AB, uh, 7.30, excuse me, on ABC uh, if you guys are not able to make it out to the game. Uh, and uh, we'll have you covered after the game is over. Recap will be up on Sunday. You'll then have uh, the stock report that'll be up and next week because it is halfway through the season, we will have mid-season grades that will be going up. Of course, we'll also keep you up to date on any new news that we hear on the Kobe Pesor front. Meanwhile, on the basketball side of things, late night is tonight, so make sure that you guys uh, are checking that out. That's going to actually come up right after this edition of the podcast is finished up, so make sure you guys go over and check that out as well. I'll be getting an article up right after late night has concluded about uh, what my biggest takeaways are from the event. And then uh, we'll be uh, getting on uh, the Four Corners podcast to discuss that sometime, uh, probably either tomorrow or Sunday for you guys to so make sure uh, that you guys are keeping an eye out for all of that great stuff. HeelToughBlog.com and, of course, the Heel Tough Blog Facebook and Twitter pages. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast want to thank Josh for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for watching and listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.